Hi, everyone. If you're here joining us, we're so happy to have you. I'm Marlena, and I have a host of warriors here with me for our very first Edgy Gladiators podcast. All right, so we'll start with Ryan. Are you there? I'm here. Introduce ourselves. My name is Ryan Jackson. I'm the executive lead and principal of the Mount Pleasant Arts Innovation Zone. Ryan, are you there? America's first K through 12 STEAM campus. All right. Thanks, Ryan. And let's see who's next. Uh, Colleen? Hi, I'm Colleen Carter Skiles. I am um, the modern language teacher at um, Troy Middle School and Troy South Middle School. I'm also the president-elect of the Missouri Council of Sports and Social Studies. And um, what else? Oh, I'm a Google certified level one and two educator working on my Google training. So. Awesome, Colleen. Awesome. Sean, are you there? I am here. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us for the chat. Uh, my name is Sean Tom. I am an eighth grade science teacher and department head at Camden Thomas Charter School. Previously, I served as a principal of a special ed school for a couple of years, and that's in my ninth year of education. That's awesome. All right, so who's next? Let's see, Sine. Good evening, everyone. My name is Sine Bell, and I am a principal at Morton Ranch Junior High School in Katy, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. And um, I've been a principal at the elementary and junior high level, as well as a teacher at both the high school and junior high levels. So I'm really excited to chat with you guys tonight. Um, awesome. Thanks, Sinead. And then let's see, we have Paul. Paul, can you hear us? Hi, everybody. Yes, I can hear you. Awesome. Hear yep. Paul. My name is Paul O'Neill, and I am a supervisor of special education in world languages, grade 7 through 12, former dean of behavioral management, special education. Township School District, Jersey Shore, your 16th year in education. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. And I feel like I'm missing somebody else. Who did I leave out? Blame my head, not my heart. That's it. Is that it? Is that the whole crew? And we have one more core warrior, Derek McCoy, uh, who isn't able to join us tonight, but he will be in on other podcasts with us. So uh, I really wanted to give everyone an opportunity to meet the warriors behind this crazy, 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 awesome movement that's super focused, hyper focused on what's best for kids. Um, just a little background of how, how this all started with Edgy Gladiators. It literally started in a chat and it was a hashtag and it became something more as educators began to rally around the concept of leadership and engagement and advocacy that's truly based on what's best for kids. And uh, and so Ryan, my partner in crime in this whole endeavor, uh, was right behind me uh, and helping me kind of get this off the ground. And and we were able to ask these amazing warriors to, to really buy into our vision. And, and it's really a vision for kids to get, uh, to re, re, refocus education to what it needs to be. It, and that is about the kids, the kids that we serve. So 
this episode is about change agents. And so we want to start our first question that we're going to talk about. It was something that we actually did a chat about is what does it mean to be an edge gladiator? So I'll just pose that question to the group. Like, what does it mean to you to be an edge gladiator? Uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll jump in quickly. Um, yeah. You know, the, the idea, the idea birthed out of out of this uprising, you know, that, that we, um, we come together as, as this collective, uh, this consortium, you know, of of intellectuals, of, of educators, you know, of, of inspired individuals that, that wanted to make a change, you know, that, that we're okay to think divergently, that we're okay with breaking the status quo. But you know, some, sometimes doing that by force, and I mean, you know, going against, going against the norm, and and facing, you know, facing those flames. So the idea of being an edgy gladiator is, you know, banding together, building a critical mass, you know, but but not not conforming, you know, and ultimately lifting kids up, empowering students through empowering other adults. I mean, edgy gladiators is about lifting up those adults around you that haven't had a voice in education and empowering them to a point where they can help kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think empowerment is a key word there. And one of the things um, I know Ryan and I talked quite a bit about is that when someone participates in the chat or now listens to a broadcast, we want we want those teachers, we want those principals to be empowered, to be revitalized, to do what's best for kids, you know, and, and to know that they have a support group of, of folks that believe just as passionately as they do about really, truly putting kids first. Absolutely. I think for me, the whole idea of belief, belief in what's possible and really taking on the challenge no matter what obstacles are presented to us. And so if you think about a gladiator, you know, they suit up to the battle. They are well-trained, well-versed. They're not some lone radical just saying all kind of crazy stuff with no action. They train for a specific purpose, and then they get in the arena and they fight. And so no matter what the naysayers have to say, they're right there in the arena, in the mix, doing what's best for kids, even if it's something that's different, but, uh, that's not of the norm or it's not easy. Not everybody can gladiate because not everybody can stand up and have that voice uh, for change. And change not for just the sake of change and not just for the sake of doing some new fad, but to really make a difference in the lives of kids. Yeah, I think you're bringing up a great point, and I agree. I think it's about changing the narrative. I think so many times we look at, or it's looked at reasons why things can't happen, as opposed to how we can make things happen. I think for many students, especially students of special needs, that many of them have negative experiences with school and they've struggled. So we've got to find ways to create a safe haven for these students, make them have a more positive connotation with school, be able to put them in position to succeed. I think that all comes back to always putting the kids first, no matter what. I think as a divided, you do a really good job of doing that and not being afraid to take those risks that are necessary to really put our kids first. And we're going to go against the status quo. We are going to be paddling upstream, but we know that and we're ready for that. And I think everybody who's here on this journey with us is ready to do that as well. So I think that's kind of what our, our main focus is as a gladiator. Um, I'm a huge fan of Scandal. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Colleen. And I do 
Um, like I always think of Olivia Pope and wearing the white hat and standing up to the people who don't have the voice and standing up to the people who can't really stand up for themselves. And um, I said this, in the, I said this, like Marlene and I were talking a long time ago, like in the MS chat, that like a lot of people, a lot of educators on Twitter, and they sit there and they type all this great and wonderful and inspiring and like mic drop quotes. And then I'm sitting there thinking like, how many people actually take what they say and what they learn and what they do in these Twitter, Twitter chats and put them actually into action in the classroom? And I believe that that's where my belief came from and that's what I started at was take all the stuff that we talk about on the sidelines and actually like put it to work, make it happen and put those students first. And making it more than just being in like hashtagging and make, taking it as a movement and action, actually walking the talk that you stand for. That was where I came from. Don't you talk about it, right Kelly? <laughs> And you know, exactly. I wanna I wanna build on something that Marlene said, you know, and that's she she really talked about about being well trained, you know, about being prepared. And and ultimately I, I got into this this idea of educational gladiators for for those mid career teachers. You know, those those teachers I think that, that are desperately looking for their students right now. Uh, that, that are that are skilled, you know, that that have been the that are on sort of sort of wavering right now, right now, in, in which direction to go. You know, I, I think my wife is an example of the DCCF Jackson. She's she's been in the game 13 years. You know, she's a heck of a teacher. Um, blue ribbon, you know, blue ribbon teacher here in Nashville, Tennessee. And you know, just the current state of things. I mean, we're, we're constantly looking to kind of redefine our purpose and educate giving us that new sense of purpose. You know, for those of us who are sharp, you know, but but are looking to take things to the next level. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the next the next question that we answered in our first chat was how can we be those change agents? How can we be that Olivia Pope? How can we do those things in our schools when the norm is to not rock the boat? Well, I think Paul said we have to change the narrative. And so Rocking the boat is going to happen. If you're not rocking the boat, you're not moving anywhere. And I think it's really important to know what you're fighting for um, and to do your homework. So just don't go on some cause and you have no background, no basis, no foundation for what you're trying to do. If it's something that is what's best for kids, go do the research first. Um, so I don't know. I think you it goes back to the training piece and, and not just jumping on the next bandwagon, but really knowing where you're going and, and establishing that vision and then taking that mission and putting it all into action to make some stuff happen. I could not agree more with that. I came across a, a quote today that um, I really resonated with me. The comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. And I think as we continue to move this, this, this forward, we need to make sure that we are getting ourselves out of our comfort zone, but also the schools that we're in, the students that we work with, the educators that we work with, administrators that we work with. We have to get out of our comfort zone because if not, we're just going to continue with the status quo. The boat is never going to be rocking. We're never going to get there. We're never going to make that kind of progress that our students are desperately need us to get for them. I think a big part of it too is to be ready to have the difficult conversations and be able to 
take a look at everything that we do and make sure that it's all about the purpose, which is the students, and to make sure that we don't have wasting at that part of the in our process. You know, I, uh, I I came I came out of this idea that the you know we're working in uh, urban ed for for over the decade. The last thing you want to do is average to survive. The last thing you can do is average. And, and now I've taken that idea to administrate school leaders. You know, it's kind of like the purple cow effect. You know, you you want to stand out. How do you cut through the noise? You know, how do you how do you truly stand out? You know, how do you truly cut through the noise and, and make a difference in people's lives? And, and that that means standing alone at times. That means being entirely different. You know, just really having this incredible, indelible impact on folks, and, and a lot of times that, that means, um, you know, be, being a bit radical in ways, yet doing it in such a way, you know, that you're standing, you're standing on a purpose, you're you're standing on the mastery. Kind of like that calculated radical. You you make sense. You're not just out there, just not making any sense. Uh, for the cause, you know what you're talking about. And I, and I think it's about that circle of concern versus the circle of influence. You know, there are a lot of things that we can be concerned about, but we don't have any influence over. But if we really focus on the things that we can influence on a day-to-day -day basis and not all those other things that we have no control over, I think that's where you really start to get the bang for your buck because it helps you to focus your efforts and your attentions and your actions. No, you're speaking my language now. You know, leadership is the art of influence, right? And ultimately, it's a critical mass approach. So look at us all here. You know, each of us has this network. Each of us has this circle of influence. So as we continue to build this critical mass, you know, this wave of edgy bladder here, you know, you're trending top five now. You know, you're we're on multiple continents now. So just in a short amount of time, you know, the way this thing's exponentially grown, the, the idea that this, that, you know, that, that this, uh, it's as you gladiators move this real has, has truly short up for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And isn't that crazy how we are impacting people and encouraging and inspiring people that are on different continents? I mean, we had someone come from, uh, what was it, Scotland, and we have people staying up late, uh, are waking up super early to chime in from Asia, um, from Hawaii. So, Australia. Australia. Yeah. Canada. So to me, what, what, it, what it brings to mind is that this call to action is global. It's not just a U.S. thing or it's not just a Tennessee thing for me, you know, our, our respective states. It's a, global, it's a global drive to repurpose this conversation, refocus this conversation uh, back to what's best for kids because they truly should be at the epicenter of, of all that we do. Um, you know, for me, you know, it's not about making policies and our, our practices that are convenient for adults. If it's best for kids, it's best for kids. If that means I need to go learn a new app, and Lord knows there's a ton of new apps that the kids change constantly. I mean, I'm, I'm snapping now. I hope I said that right. I'm snapping now. My boys still have to teach me how to do that. But if it means learning a new app or, or stretching myself to learn a new practice that I've never used before, then that's what we need to do if that's what's best for kids, you know? Um, and so, you know, it kind of brings to the next question of, you know, what are the biggest challenges of being a change agent, like of being an edgy gladiator, especially in your, uh, if you'd like to share that, especially in your current environment, or you can speak in generalities if you'd like. 
so I came from I came from Nashville um, recently down to down to Murray County, the smaller district, mid-sized district. Um, you know, went from about ninety thousand students to twelve thousand students. You know, and one one of the biggest you know one of the biggest hurdles I'm having to overcome is is pushing people out of that that, that comfort zone and into their courage zone. You know, so getting getting people to take this idea of you, you can be different, you can think different, you can try new things, you can be a risk taker. You know, it's okay. And then modeling that, while at the same time modeling that and not trying to appear too radical, that you can have the circle of influence, that you can get people to build this critical mass, while at the same time just not being that, you know, that isolated nut completely by themselves. So it's, it's doing that day by day while you're building those relationships, building that trust, but at the same time, you know, exercising that risk taker mentality. Just to add to that, Ryan, I, I think the hardest thing right now, and just generally speaking in our profession, is teaching people how to innovate inside of a standardized box. And mm. yeah, we have this box that we're in, and those are things that are placed on us by others, and there's, it's not changing right now. There's nothing we can do tomorrow to stop the standardization. But if we know that what's best for kids is going to happen inside of innovation bubbles, we have to continue to innovate inside the standardized box and not be afraid of moving in the direction in which we know what's best. If innovation is innovation, it'll take care of the standardization. And so I think it's so hard for people to just to be courageous enough to try new things and to take risks like Ryan was saying, because at the end of the day, people want to know what do your numbers look like? What do your test scores look like? And that's not what it's all about. And so being able to stand up and say, you know what, that box that you're trying to fit every kid in is not what's best for kids. Yeah, we have to take care of that box and we'll do what we have to do with that box. But at the end of the day, the best thing for kids are all of these little innovation bubbles inside that box. I think I agree with you today and Ryan as well. I think it's also a process versus product mentality where you have a, a, a nation of educators that feels very overwhelmed at this time. It feels like burdens are more than ever. They're being placed upon their collective shoulders. And we've got to focus a little more on the steps we take to get there and not just the end game of what the end result looks like in those test scores or that data. Um, I went from a school like I recently got into position this year as well, like some of other people. Um, I went from a school who, um, well, anyway, I'm not going to go. Um, <laughs> I am at a new school now that, is, that my principals will be bullshit. My principals and my assistant principals and um, our administration team is extremely innovative, extremely tech savvy, extremely pushing forward, extremely open minded, kids first. There's all those new stuff. And, iPads this year and we're pushing this initiative, pushing this initiative. And then I take a step back and I look at the people. And again, they still like when you talked about they still have the test they have to do, they still have the data, they still have the goals, they still have this they have to show. At the same time, they have to do all this new innovative cool stuff that the principals are pushing. And they just sometimes can be so overwhelmed and just so overburdened and sometimes they feel like we need to step back and take a breath and look at everything we have in front of us and think about what's best for the students and pick out what we can do 
and why, how we can make the change and try and leave everything else behind because we can take that up. And, and I mean, it's, it's tough. So for me, I'll give a quick background. I am 31. I was a principal before the age of 20. And, you know, as somebody that young, I always was looked at like, oh, you're just younger. You don't know what you're doing. And I, I kind of put a challenge out there to anybody. Not just to look past people. Whether you're looking at somebody who's been in the game for 20, 30 years, or whether it's somebody like myself who's a minister at the first time at 28, at the age of 20. You know, it, it, you always have to keep in mind everybody has good ideas and everybody has able. So that's, that's an issue that I've kind of dealt with on my own. And now I'm in a brand new school, in a brand new role as a department head, and back in the classroom part time, doing teacher violations and observations as well. So for me, I'm like, I'm on the administrative side and the teacher side. So it's kind of tough to innovate when you were, you have so many different roles and kind of has to wear. And you're in a brand new environment where nobody really knows what the time is about. So continue to take those risks and continue to out there and no matter what at the end of the day it's kids that are always coming first and no one's doing that and we're going to be in the right spot that's a great point that's a great point kids first right that's what that's what we're here for that's what it's about um and as we come to the end already of our of our podcast our very first podcast last question and i, I think it's great to definitely end on always positivity is how do we push for this change, but in a positive way? Because one thing that I've learned is that when we're super, super passionate about, about it, some people may not be able to appreciate our passion to the level that, uh, that we do. But, but I think it's really cool if we could talk about how can we, how can we change people's perception in a positive way? He's a preacher. Like, man, what, what's your niche? Man? What makes you different? Like, what separates you from everybody else? I want you to start carving out your niche. And I really started thinking about that for the last several years. So now I've doubled down on the art, the art and the machine and the steam model. So the positive thing is, you know, art brings life to the soul of a school. So embedding art, education, art has helped change things. You'll have Wow. Wow. That's a mic drop. <laughs> I know, right? Can we just, and the church said amen? I mean, get watered and so it may not be that you can just put a whole 
innovative plan together and say, thou shalt do this. But you may have those people who are kind of ready for this and you're not giving them something to do, but you're helping them explore their purpose and their passion. Absolutely. Who's got it better than us, you know, <laughs> our rally cry. And if you think about it, you look at the smiles on the kids' faces, you look at the explosive curiosity that these kids, you hope that they bring to the classroom each and every day. When that light bulb goes off, we know that's our best moment as educators when we see that they're finally getting it. We've got the tangible result that we get to, to come back to the table each and every day, working with clientele that we see over and over, and we get to, to watch and see and feel and touch that growth just over and over. I mean, again, we've got it better than us. We've got the best gig on the planet, and I think that's where the positivity brings from. Absolutely. I know for me, I feed off the positivity of my students, you know, and, and having transitioned out of, out of a school setting, a formal school setting, um, you know, I miss that. I miss that energy from the kids. All my friends know, and some of you even know that, like I'm 28 forever and I refuse to age, but I would tell my kids that. And I would, I would say that because they kept me young. They keep me young, like my school kids. And so as long as I was trying to stay current and, and just trying to keep up with them and be relevant to them, that was, I mean, that brought about my positivity. If they can come and smile every day uh, and, and they have a, you know, a long day of, of working hard and studying, then how can I not smile and make that day as fun as possible? I just feel like learning and, and, and fun aren't mutually exclusive. They, they should complement each other. So um, they keep me positive. They just, they really, really do keep me positive. So yeah, I love it. I love it. And that positivity spreads like celebrate Monday. You know, we know that works. That positivity spreads. Any last thoughts? Yeah. Colleen. Three calm words that are, I'm not sure. I know I hear some people say stuff all the time, but I'm pretty sure with him that he said, especially in middle school, that if you don't fast at least twice a day, then you're doing, you're in the wrong profession and you're doing something wrong. You have to laugh at yourself. You have to laugh at your students. You have to bring that laughter into the classroom. And I think about that every day. Like sometimes I'll be sitting in my desk and I'm like, I haven't laughed yet today. The next class, I find something to be positive, to be happy, to bring into the classroom and make my students and myself laugh sometime during that day. So it's, it's I really feel like laughter is the best medicine. <laughs> I agree with you. I think that's awesome, Colleen. It's awesome. Well, hey guys, this is the end of our first podcast. And for those of you that are listening uh, and watching, this will be available very soon on Apple iTunes. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, next, our next podcast will be in two weeks, November twenty-first, with Randall Sampson. We're going to talk a little bit about individualizing our PD. So super excited to have him as, as our guest for that. Uh, our next chat, of course, is Saturday, the hottest halftime hour on Saturday, right? Uh, it is Saturday at 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time or 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. And this week, really excited as we continue our series on encouraging curiosity, we are excited to have author Matthew Murray who wrote an amazing book called What If? And if you haven't read that book, pick it up because he's gonna talk to us and lead us through some questioning how to make what if what is for ourselves and also for our students. So super excited for that. So uh, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Google Plus, like us on Facebook. Am I missing anything, guys? 
We try to be connected in everything. Check out our website. Got some awesome blog posts by Ryan and by Colleen. Super excited to have those up and going uh, and just continue to gladiate. This is what you can expect from our podcast with our guests. We're going to you know, we're going to talk about real things, real talk, real issues, because we have real kids and we want to make sure we're doing what's best for them each and every day. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Thank you, Warriors. Love you guys to pieces. And you all have an amazing, uh, amazing week.